Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 338. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up people? This is the DC Comics Podcast. We get together and we talk about the books we read this week. It is a very weird, quiet week. Uh, we're later this week due to circumstances and it's going to be a short air episode. Short air episode, I said that weird. Uh, because we only have four books that we're going to be discussing. Uh, and those are Batman issue 131, Gotham City Year 1 issue 4, Poison Ivy issue 8, and Dark Nace of Steel issue... That's not four, we're, we're way higher than that. Yeah. I've written down the wrong number. Nine, I, I think I believe. Yeah, I believe we're on nine. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's what's, that's what's happening today. Uh, but do not despair if you feel shortchanged by the length of this episode. And I, I'm saying that now. I'm jinxing us into talking nonsense for like 90 minutes before we even start talking about the comics now. Um, but we have the annual episode coming. And the first thing I would like to say at the start of this episode really is to uh, tell you all to go vote uh, on the end of year awards mm-hmm. uh, for the viewer's choice uh, section. Uh, the forum's been up for a little bit uh, this week. The results are already kind of interesting, uh, but you, there'll be a link in the description of this episode. Um, you only have maybe a couple days uh, once this episode goes out to vote, so if you haven't and, this, and you're hearing about it now, listening to this episode, uh, rush over and uh, submit your answers into the, the Google voting form. But uh, uh, you can get it in the description below, you can get the link on the Discord, on the Twitter, uh, all these places. But uh, make sure you go vote, and we'll have some audience uh, winners alongside uh, whatever we decide on the annual episode, which is coming before the next regular episode. Uh, so look forward to that. Annual number six, I think we're on. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for this on Twitter. Where'd you tweet it from? Uh, our our Twitter at DC yeah. Comics Podcast. Okay, I was looking at the mild fuzz one, and I was like, I don't, I don't see it. So we have, we have a dedicated comics. Yes, podcast I know, I know. And then I went to yours because it was right there, and I didn't see it. So <sighs> found it. Gonna retweet it. Well, that was that was thrilling. That, that, that it was. <laughs> it was also delaying the inevitable. Yes, welcome to the the show, everyone. Inevitable. What inevitable are you talking about? You know what inevitable I'm talking about. I can't think of... Okay, then I'm not going to say it. I can't think of one inevitability. Yeah. I can't think of, say, ten oh. inevitabilities. Yeah. Well, one thing inevitable was uh, I went to a hockey game, and <laughs> and uh, finally got to see the Ducks at the pond, and uh, and saw a fight and a power play goal, and, and they won in overtime, and it was great. So got a little bit worried because my brother has not, you know, Every game we've been to, the team that we've been rooting for is lost. Um, and and fortunately, it didn't happen this time. So we were good. It got a little dicey in the first, like, five minutes because the Ducks gave up two quick goals. And I looked at him and went, maybe we should leave. Right? <laughs> like, let's spare everybody. But no, they, they held on. Uh, very good young team. Uh, they'll, they'll be, like, playoff bound in the next couple of years. But yeah. But... Best part seeing a fight in person. That's that's the hockey I like. Uh, plenty of quacking. I refrained myself from yelling uh, flying V because apparently that's frowned upon. Um, but yes. That's, I'm sorry I zoned out while you started talking yep. about hockey. Uh, yeah, but I figured the Ducks would bring you in, Pete. You like those movies. You well, know. Yeah, but I don't care about actual you know ice the Minnesota hockey. Miracle Man. 
<laughs> yeah, I who they had to drop for season two of the show because he yeah, refused yeah, to get yeah, vaccinated. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's all right. I hope that they pull the old sitcom trope of the long lost brother or cousin, and it's you know whoever Dumel's playing, it's you know so and so. It's just the it's just the shit. Either because he said no or because he was busy, but Joshua Jackson's like right there to replace him, you know? and we got well, and they kept. They kept referencing Charlie in that first season of Game Changers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he'll be here. And then, uh, you know, no spoilers or nothing. Charlie never really shows up. No, no. Joshua Jackson is too busy doing some other TV show or something. I don't know what he's doing. But, yeah, he never showed up in Game Changers. Uh, but, yes. There's always time for a comicsology yeah, top 10. Well, asterisks on this one. Uh, because... There wasn't enough books out on Tuesday for it to be 10. Yeah. So it's not actually 10 for Tuesday. Uh, there'll be 10 for the Wednesday numbers, uh, which we'll look at as well. But uh, uh, as always, look at it Tuesday first, because that's just how Comixology splits them up. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think is the number one selling book as of right now on Comixology for the DC books? I'm, I'm going to ask Batman. You're right, it is Batman. Yeah. That was that was uneventful. Uh, number two is Dark Knights of Steel. Number three is Gotham okay. City Year One. Or just kind of the three main books, really. And then you've got number four is The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing. Uh, number five is Poison Ivy. And then number six is Sword of Asriel. I hope Sword of Asriel enjoys being at number six because it's never <laughs> going to be that high in any other circumstance Oh, and there's just no other books. In fact, Ouch. there's so little books that the next entry is not a DC book. It is... I'm actually clicking right to check what it seems to be. I guess it's some Star Wars, but it's called Star Wars Tales from the Rancor Pit. Is this a, a trade or, or something? Not a clue. I have no idea. But uh, it doesn't look like it's one of the modern Star Wars comics, so it looks looks maybe like an older... Like a collection of the old Dark Horse stories Oh, yeah, or it is a Dark Horse. Yeah, it's Dark Horse has published it. Yeah, so it's, it's not even Marvel that put it out. Uh, so that's number seven. And then number eight is Monkey Prince, volume one, trade. There wasn't an issue on that this week. That's the trade. And then, number nine, the final book for Tuesday is Batman Nightwatch. Uh, so, there were six DC single issues that came out. <laughs> and they were mm-hmm. one through six. There's really not a whole lot to say about that. It was a quiet week. They didn't release a whole lot. Uh, it is what it is. So... Oh, so real quick, that that Star Wars book mm-hmm. is that's all new stuff, but it's put up by Dark Horse. But they're like Halloween specials, essentially. Ah. So they're Star Wars spooky stories. So they they were released back in uh, November. Which, if they're spooky stories, why are they put out in November? But wait, that's um, that's weird though. Why uh, yeah. a Dark Horse still publishing Star Wars stuff? What I think that I think as long as it's not in continuity stuff, I think it's like a Legends thing. Okay. So I didn't realize they were publishing any, yeah. but But yeah, it says they were published in November of twenty twenty two. Let me double check. Yep. November twenty third, twenty twenty two. And then it dropped in bookstores on January third. So Okay. Yeah. Weird, but uh mm-hmm. fair enough. Uh Wednesday was much more happening. Marvel put a lot of books. So yep. uh do you have any guesses to what number one is from the Wednesday books? X Men Red number ten. That is correct, actually. You, um, you seem very confident there. Very suspiciously confident. No, just because it was the first X-Book and it was pretty high up on the like, comic geeks. So. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, 
second book is Scarlet Witch issue one. This is Steve Orlando writing this. Yeah. Um, it's got a great cover. I'll say that much. <laughs> what a, there's a there's a redhead lady on a cover, so Matt likes it. What a shot! Sorry. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sorry. You're a parody of yourself. I know. Uh, number three is Fantastic Four issue three. Uh, number four is Avengers sixty four. Number five is X Force thirty six. Um, has Percy always been writing that? I think uh, for for a minute. I think. I don't remember him being the writer on that, but fair enough. Uh, number six is Marauders issue ten. Uh, so two Steve Orlando books uh, in the Marvel top ten this week, and then Spider Man issue four comes in at number seven. That's the Dan Slott and Mark Bagley uh, book. Mm-hmm. And then number eight, we actually have a non-Marvel book, Star Trek Issue 3. Uh, that's uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, so we're used to them being fill-ins on the DC. Yeah. Uh, number nine is Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty. Yep. And then number ten is Captain Marvel Issue 45, which is still Kelly Thompson, so... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, good for her that uh, that's still going. I mean, admittedly, I did take her Captain Marvel book back when I was up to date with reading Marvel stuff. Out of the two or three books she was writing at the time, I did think it was the least like special. Yeah. And I, I like Kelly Thompson a lot, but I'm I'm close. That's that said, I'm still glad it's running and it's been a yeah. long running series. So uh, that is cool. Um, and apparently this new Secret Invasion book's not doing that well because issue three is number eleven, and I feel like a book called Secret Invasion you would think would be doing quite well given the the name value and yeah what what it's like kind of a new version of. But hey ho, uh, other standouts. Uh, it's kind of not too far after that. There's a Joe Fixit issue one by Peter David. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Sonic the Hedgehog issue. Uh, Star Wars issue thirty is fifteen. Yeah, Star Wars doesn't sell. It's high on comicsology not, anymore. Not like it did. Oh. But why does Luke have a yellow lightsaber here? I needs to know. I, I I really don't know. I really don't care. Would <laughs> be is the honest I'm answer. Gonna, I'm gonna have to put in a a message to my Star Wars expert. Not Connor. Is Connor okay? I haven't even seen him on Twitter. Like, he's, he's, he's away off to Iceland. Uh, yeah, I know, but like, did did he fall into a volcanic thing? Like, is he okay? Have you ever been spying on my dreams, Matt? Uh, no, not really. I just, you know. <laughs> Look, if anyone's going to fall into a, a geothermal vent on accident, it's Connor, right? <laughs> or uh, if anyone, if anyone's girlfriend's going to push their boyfriend intentionally into a volcano and make it look like an accident. <laughs> I could just go, wait, why is there, why is there only one, one, or one return ticket? <laughs> oh, a man. volcanic eruption happened in Iceland, which is not particularly notable because it's Iceland. Yep. But what is yeah. strange on this particular volcanic eruption is there seems to be little puffs of ginger hair just in the ash falling down with it. Oh my God, it actually wouldn't kill him. It would just make him stronger. He's like Doomsday. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. But as you come with Soldier Top 10. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Not enough DC books to actually make the choose the books of the Top 10 per se, but hey, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll take it. Uh, so there you go. That is that. Is that. Um, yeah. Uh, there's not like really any comic specific news. There's a few movie and TV things that are probably worth just mentioning slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So, you know, James Gunn apparently does a three-year plan for this new, you know, start of the DC movie universe or whatever. And he's also apparently started writing an unannounced TV show. So not pun- not not Punisher. Peacemaker. Not Peacemaker, Peacemaker season two. Uh, although mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's done that already or he is doing that. But right. he, he mentioned he was writing uh, an un- unannounced TV show, uh, amongst other things. So... Yeah, uh, that, mm-hmm. that, we can't really speculate on just that. Like, it could be anything, really. But, uh, yeah, shows that he's still involved in a TV show, at least. Um, and then the other thing, which is, you know, less important now that, uh, you know, The Rock had to admit that Black Adam isn't going to be a part of this new movie right. universe and all that stuff. But there was a bit of a report of Variety this week, along with, like, this three-year plan news, that in April, when the changing over was happening at Warner Brothers and Zaslav was the one kind of been put in charge, uh, The Rock personally went and pitched, like, his own plan for the DC Universe. Oh, buddy, and I bet you he's going over. And it was going to be, you know, intertwining things, building up to Superman versus Black Adam. Not, not, not Captain Marvel slash Shazam versus Black Adam. Superman right. versus Black Adam. And apparently he went around multiple, like, people at Warner Brothers and, like, you know, pitched this and tried to, like, smooth talk it into existence. And the article just says that it ruffled feathers internally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I I love that even though he's been out of the wrestling business, really, for a long-ass time, barring a few special appearances, he's he's acting like a wrestler, (laughs) politicking. It's... it's it's in his blood, you know, both sides. Uh, so, you know, well, and I'm wondering, uh, you know, probably similar to how he got Hobbs and Shaw, right? Mm. Like, I'm sure this has worked for him in the past. Oh, probably. Yeah. You uh, know, and so. that's getting a sequel. So it must've done well yeah. enough that he's, well, and then that's the thing. Black Adam just didn't do well. And he just has to, you know, go to one of his other franchises that, that he has. Cause at this point, I'm much more interested in Hobbs and Shaw too, than fast, X or whatever they're calling it. And I say that as someone that has seen every fast movie except Tokyo Drift in the theater. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't really, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I will, uh, take your word for it. Uh, dear. Although every one of those I've not seen, I'll see over the next like year and a half because I need to do them all in the movie show. What's, What's uh, the last one you remember seeing? I saw... I saw 6, 7, and 8, I think. Okay. I haven't seen 9. I haven't seen 4 or 5 or yeah. 3. I Nine's... only saw half a 2, actually, that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Nine, nine's rough. It's okay, but it's too self-aware at points. Mm. Uh, 8 was rough as well. Uh, but I really like 4, 5, and 6. Those are... Those make a nice little trilogy. Uh, five especially it's a heist movie so mm, yes but yeah I, I think you're the one that pointed out don't forget that these movies started with them stealing dvd players yep off uh, a truck that was the yep. the premise it was a point break ripoff just with speed racing Cars. instead of yep. surfing mm-hmm. uh but uh and more important we've used uh matt 1. Yep. 1.7 billion is the current hey. standing for avatar way of war good 
That's good. So we're a hundred million away from the original Titanic score. I say original because it got re-released right. uh, a decade ago and added right. another couple of hundred million to its total. But um, yeah, so yeah, two billions a lot, baby. It's happening. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't really have any other <laughs> fancy news for you. Yeah, nothing. It was basically The Rock tried to like politic his way to get yeah. make Black Adam the main centerpiece of the entire DC universe. And, and you know what's funny is it tells me the difference between him and Cena, where Cena's fine just playing this oddball peacemaker. You know? Like, yeah, I can tell you he's not, you know, phoning up James Gunn and be like, hey, let's get Superman in here. <laughs> you know? But The Rock, The Rock's gotta go over at Mania, right? Like, uh, Well, The Rock's Cena. a bigger, bigger star in the movie world, so he's he thinks he can go further i guess yeah but at the same time i just like it seen as just like it's seen as resume versus the rock's resume at this point um and i just feel like Cena's politicking better right because he's not taking bigger swings i don't know if you're asking who the best wrestler mm-hmm. actor is i think batista's got yes well got we're, not, in that we're, race. Not, we're yeah we're not talking about that because batista is because he's he's taking the little oddball roles and just killing with them you know, well, and then Glass Onion, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, even his small role in the second Blade Runner movie, like mm-hmm. he he was saying, uh, he confirmed that Guardians Three was his last Marvel movie, yep. and part of the reason why is because he wants to do more. He wants to be a good actor. He wants to do more serious yep. roles, and the hints that he's given of doing that do seem pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he's in crap like Army of the Dead as well, and it's hard yeah. to judge anything, but yeah. Yeah, paycheck's a paycheck. When you're built like him. You do the actiony stuff, right? Like, you can be henchman or, or you know, comic relief, big guy. That said, though, he is buddies with James Gunn, so don't be surprised if yeah. he shows up as a uh, Bane or something. <laughs> don't, don't do that to me. <laughs> don't give me hope. He'd be great as Bane. Play the cerebral version too, like in the comics, not just the smashy, smashy Bane we've gotten before, or or henchman Bane. So. Uh, man. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Now, now I'm sad. We're probably not getting that. <laughs> trying to think uh, what other characters could he, he play in DC? Like, I'm trying to think of the heroes. No no one comes up the top of my head real quick. I don't know. Someone, someone built. Yeah. But more built than like a Superman. Uh, I don't know. Batista is Kilowog. <laughs> I mean, if he wants to go full mocap and you know alien suit and all that, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, although he's he probably doesn't want to wear makeup again. He's probably sick yeah. of wearing that damn Drax makeup, so he's yeah. pro- he'd probably want to. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, no one's no one's ringing a bell right now. I'll do some thinking. I'll come up with some next week. I'm sure everyone's waiting with bated breath to find out I'm who, sure they are. who Matt I'm would sure cast Batista in the DC Universe as. Yeah. Batista is Perry White. I mean, it's a left-of-field uh, yeah. choice, but I can, I can see him sitting there with his cardigan and his glasses uh-huh. on. Uh-huh. Just him yelling. Him yelling at Clark would be a whole different thing. You know? It'd be this quiet, disappointed type thing. I think you do it. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about comics, shall we? Yeah, let's, let's go. Get, let's get into it. Uh, all right. 
Batman, why issue 131, Chip Zarsky writing with Mike Hawthorne on the art. So we're on to a new arc, a new artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is... So, yeah, so, so we ended the last issue with uh, Batman kind of being Rorschach, like, like the end of Watchmen. And obviously we assume he's not dead, he's went somewhere, where could he mm-hmm. have went? And this issue is very much about, okay, he's in either another Earth which is the most likely explanation that he himself in the mm-hmm. book kind of thinks. Uh, there's also a possibility here. This is like just like a world that was created for him to like experience this as opposed to it being literally another Earth. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many like elements of it that feel like uh, this is about like this is a world that was created for his head to be in. You know. Yeah, it feels like a Black Mercy story almost. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting kind of kind of no. Mm-hmm. If it it could be both. It could be like oh no, mm-hmm. he went. He gets sent to this Earth because this Earth fit the bill yeah. for what you know feel well, safe wanted for him but yeah because this is post infinite crisis at this point or not infinite you, the the dark crisis dark dark crisis i can, yeah, I can crisis see it left such an impression on you Matt, that yeah. even though we're less than a month after the final issue yeah. you can't remember the goddamn title of it yeah 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 but no but this is after and there is a new status quo when it comes to the infinite earths right so this and the way that they played with hyper time and and, you know, different parallel, you know, like we had in um, in the Flashpoint Beyond, right? Mm. Where where they explained how the Flashpoint place can still exist, even though it's not one of the 52 worlds. It's because it's a parallel of, of uh, one of the Earths. This could easily be one of those two, you know. Um, how to get there is the one thing, um, which the backup kind of gets into, but... Um, yeah. Uh- yeah, it definitely left me a little bit confused as I was reading. You know, and not in a bad way, just like a, okay, what's going on? You know, what's Judge Dent about? What's this, you know, Jim, this Jimbo that's talking to him? Well, I, I wasn't confused, I would say, in the sense that, okay, we're on a different earth, so, you know, everything can be mm-hmm. different, everything can be whatever. But before we get into all the details, though, I just, like, my general feeling reading this issue was kind of like, it's funny how Zarsky's kept doing this, but... For most of the issue, I was kind of down on it. And it's not because what's there is bad. It's more just that yeah. I was like, this is our next arc. We're going to be in an alternate yeah. Earth with Batman on his own with a bunch of weird versions of other characters. You know, this is the next... I just... I just, I wasn't like, do, do, do I like this concept? Do I like that we're doing yeah. this as the next story arc? And mm-hmm. I really wasn't sure. And then the final page kind of like... I don't know if it completely sold me on it, but it, I was like, you know what? Okay, I get the, the beat that he's playing here. And I, I kind of... I can maybe mm-hmm. appreciate where this is going to go and what this is maybe going to do for Batman's like arc and the story mm-hmm. as a character. It, he's definitely getting into Batman's psyche, right? Like these are very, both of these so far that we've read from Zdarsky. I'm, I'm going to count the Zernar stuff from the backup that I read. Mm-hmm. It's very much about what, what about Gotham makes Bruce Batman? And, and here, what, what is Gotham without Batman? Like, what is that? look like um and not like just without his presence because you feel like there's there's no robins there's no you know everything's slightly off and is that gotham better or worse yeah you know i think maybe my 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 reaction early on is to be like i don't know if i want i want this i think mm-hmm. it's just because we do alternate versions of worlds and 
comics so often and dc especially do it a lot and mm-hmm. we've been reading so many else worlds recently of dc versus vampires this week we got darnies mm-hmm. of steel the cease has been going on for a few years that i just kind of felt like oh, i don't can i be bothered learning about yeah. another version of gotham again like it, yeah. you know just there's so many of these things well it's not just a different version of gotham it's just a version without batman which we've seen a bunch do you know so yeah it's just you know it's just one of those things much like the occupation of gotham in the last arc mm-hmm. it was like zars keep have done this so many times recently mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. want this part of the story but yeah but i will give him a point on the fact that he is kind of examining who bruce wayne is in a way that we don't really get in these type of stories you know like a, a lot of the occupation stuff with failsafe we kind of you know yeah, sometimes it was a point to do of because Batman in a fun way. But, you know, we're, we've been in Bruce's head through Zdarsky's run, and here we're getting more of that. Um, so at least at least he's experimenting with what it means to be Batman and what it means to Bruce. And I do feel like Bruce will be changed by the end of this. Like, we'll, we will get a little bit of a different Bruce sure. than what we've had. Um, and that even goes hand in hand with what Ram V is doing over in tech, because we feel that that's a whole different version of bruce as well so um you know as long as it doesn't feel too too much like editorial because that was the other thing is i feel like he's being able to tell the stories it's almost like tech is kind of the main book right now and this feels like um not a sideways or whatever but like um you know zadarsky can do this let's go off in the main batman book to a different earth you know because ram b is doing the stuff that he is with Cotham in that book um but you know, but it feels wholly Zadarsky so far, I would say. It's not like, I don't feel like this is an editorial mandate, you know? Yeah, it just, it feels to me like just conceptually, he keeps doing things that I just don't want him to do <laughs> as, as yeah. the, for the plot ideas. Even if there's, there's, there's definitely been value in some of the issues. I think the the worst part of the failsafe stuff was the last couple issues of it. So yeah. unfortunately, I, w- I don't know if I'd say it stuck the landing. Whereas... Yeah here we'll see how it goes and uh, you know there's, there's some interesting elements here the idea that bruce doesn't have to hide hide his identity because mm-hmm. he doesn't exist here so who gives a mm-hmm. shit uh he's got like a a skeleton version of jim gordon talking to him who can hear his narration like his thoughts yeah which definitely implies that no one else can see him and that he's just in batman's head this is just like right. a imaginary friend that he's had that's commenting on everything as he's doing it um mm-hmm. and he spends most of the issues ignoring him but he's just you know the skeleton jim gordon's just there you know wisecracking and giving his comments through it felt very fifth dimensional to me too like uh, he well, felt but, like yeah. felt a little bit like one of the imps so not saying that he is or not but there was some of that fourth wall or yeah fourth wall breaking kind of stuff where jimbo's commenting on what bruce is seeing um in a meta type way which is kind of nice it's, that's what I mean by confused. Maybe that's not the word I'm looking for, but like there's a lot going on that I can't really piece. Um, and I think that makes it fun to read at least, you know, like I wasn't expecting a skeleton Jim Gordon, you know, in this earth. Yeah. We get like a, sort of the harsh police force in this world where Harvey Dent is this sort of venom fueled muscly version. who walks around in an outfit that's very, uh, he, he looks like a Resident Evil villain, actually. He looks a lot like Nemesis or <laughs> Mr. X walking around in this big court. Uh, but he's, he yeah, calls and, himself Judge Den. And mm-hmm. think Judge Dredd, except more evil or... Yeah. 
yeah. he's lawful evil, not lawful good. Yeah, so um, he, he's basically storming in with guns and people yeah. are screaming and begging for forgiveness and Bruce, like, hears the screams and comes in and fights him and he's like, wait, this is Harvey. Oh, he's got venom in him. I can kind of deal with that. Oh, no, his weaknesses that I expect to be in, like, a bane aren't there. This is right. a different kind of venom. And, you know, so we get, this is the, the big action yeah. scene in the middle of the well, issue. Well, there's that, and, and too, I just want to judge Dent. Like, I think it's a cool look, too. You know, how he has half of his face painted, so we still get the two face vibe, but it's just slightly off. So um, I thought it was a... A fun little twist on the character. Yeah, this is basically, you know, because obviously the final point of this issue when he is... Because there's a whole thing with the the place starts to... They start a fire by accident, and this kid ends up uh, helping Bruce Mm -hmm. escape with some throwing knives, and she takes him back to, like, a safe place or whatever. And when they're there, this is the, the end of the book, there's a... The final sort of point in beat is that he realizes maybe Zurinar or Failsafe rather sent him here mm-hmm. because this like this is a Gotham that needs him that, that he can save and that has like has he can do some good here. And I think the whole idea of like this Judge Dent walking around as like a judge, jury, and executioner style mm-hmm. character. It feels like a more dystopian version of Gotham, even if it's even if it's not technically mm-hmm. set in the future. It, this feels like the sort of thing where you're watching like a movie or reading a story where you're you're in yep. the future and the police state have gotten so much more powerful and they're, they're more fascist in how they mm-hmm. act and they can just shoot you on sight and that kind of stuff. The idea that Batman's, you know, ever since the 80s, like, we've thought of Gotham as this corrupt city. The, the re- part of the reason why we accept Batman as this like sort of illegal vigilante is because the... F- the system is so corrupt and broken that it needs an outside yeah. force to actually deal with it. So to, the idea to like put them into a more extreme version of that, where it's not just that they're like on the take and they're doing dodgy right. things on the quiet. This is no, the system has gone to it where it's openly abusive. It's openly right. hunting people down. Like we're in Fahrenheit four, five, one meets mm-hmm. judge dread meets something else. So yeah. Uh, like, I appreciate that final beat. That final beat of that maybe this is a version of Gotham that needs me uh, is like, okay, that's a nice idea. Although I have skipped over a whole scene here with Selena Kyle and a mysterious person in a red mask and a white uh, cape. I mean, my guess is Alfred right now for some reason. That's just where my mind went to. Well, yeah. There there were mentions because it's not Red Hood, right? No, no, yeah. Is it something else? He's got a different name here. Uh, Because he... Selena's on the phone uh, about it, talking about uh, Penguin uh, to this, this guy in this red mask. And um, the guy in the red mask says, hey, I've got a new priority for you. And there's a photo of Bruce from the apartment building where he was, like, fighting down. So he's, he's you know, he's gained uh, interest from the... Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if this is the crime families or whatever, uh, but this guy in the red mask says, Bruce, 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 I've been waiting for you. Uh, and I immediately just basically because of like his size structure and the idea that he's been waiting for Bruce just made me think it was Alfred. This was this Earth's Alfred, but I, I you know, I I have no idea. Like I'm, that's yeah. just a guess. Um, it looks like he's experimenting on like inmates at Arkham or something like that. Yeah, different meta because Some... they've got different things going on. Like one's got like a red chest and it looks like they've got whatever and then there's another one that's got like sort of like blue heat vision coming from his his eyes mm-hmm. 
Uh, but these these patients are all strapped to tables like behind them. Yeah. So it looks like he's up to uh, all sorts. Yeah, they call him Red Mask, right? That's so it's kind of it like was. a Red Hood Black Mask combo. I, mean, I suppose um, it could be the Jason Todd of this world, but it, right. It, the, 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 but why does he know who Bruce is, right? Like, well, that's why I'm thinking it's Alfred because I'm thinking if Bruce uh-huh. did exist here and died at a young age, right. uh, they don't confirm any of this in this issue. Bruce just assumes that okay, He's, I'm dead here. Like, I don't right. exist here anymore. So it would make sense that whoever recognizes him and knows who Bruce is would be someone who knew him earlier on in his life. Right. So my men went to Alfred. Or, or yeah, or Bruce just never came back to Gotham, right? Like, maybe maybe he did die in his training, and this is, you know... Oh, sure. I don't know. Mm. You know, something along those lines. He, he went off to train to become Batman, but failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And never, yeah, he never came back, right? He, you know, so... Um, I, so yeah, I, I'm someone sure someone that is familiar with Bruce. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, the, if nothing else, this is definitely going to answer what happened to the Bruce of this Earth. Like, there's yeah. no way that's not not coming up. For sure. So for sure. Uh, yeah. So I, we'll see. I, like, it was obviously a well enough written issue. I think the art, mm-hmm. obviously, Jimenez is great. So it's just kind of yeah. a shame to lose him. But the art here is solid. It's not bad art it's, at all. Yeah. No. I mean, compared to Jimenez, it it feels like a a little bit of a drop, but it's not like the. If it feels like you said, a little more house style, I guess. Yeah, that would be the, the the way I'd put it. It's uh, perfectly readable. There's nothing, you know. I don't have issues with with faces or proportions or any of that type of stuff. No, the and, uh, the, and the and the skeleton, uh, the skeleton Gordon looks really cool. Like, yeah, and and the action yeah. throws well enough. You know, the whole like, jumping out the window with the the, mm-hmm. the girl who saved them as the fire's yeah. raging on. Like the sequence in there is all pretty solid. I I can't really fault uh the action sequence in this at all and i think the coloring is generally quite good it makes like, each yeah. scene feel like it's in a distinct place you know the last scene is bathed in the sort of the warm glow of the uh the street lights of the, of the mm-hmm. night city uh obviously you know the, the streets themselves feel a bit colder and blue and purple yeah. you know the, the, everything feels distinct everything sort of separates yeah. nicely it's just not as good as jimenez or sticks out as much right so i also like now that we're looking at the coloring and stuff uh, when we get to the Selena scene, it feels like very washed out in that fluorescent light. Mm. I use it that kind of, you know, sickishly green kind of vibe. So um, I uh, like that. Which which maybe presents the idea that the Selena in this world is not in a happy place. Like this is, right. you know, the, the position she's in as part of this crime family or whatever she's involved in, uh, you know, things aren't quite right. So one of the people whose lives are inevitably going to improve when Batman saves this version of Gotham is probably hers. Uh, although, not that I think she's going to be like anything close to an ally to begin with, because it feels like she's right. you know tasked with hunting them down, or at least spying yeah. on them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, this Batman run's been such a weird thing for me so far, because I, I keep having things that I don't conceptually like about it, but it keeps kind of winning me over until it didn't, and towards the end of that last arc. So we'll see what it does with this one. I I, I really yeah. don't know. Uh, now that we're done, yeah, because we do have the backup, mm-hmm. uh, which is also by Zarsky, but it's uh, Miguel Madoncha on the art mm-hmm. and the backup, and it's basically um, it's following Tim. Uh, t- you know, Tim, yeah. Tim Drake as he's like dealing with the fact that Batman's gone, and he's determined to try and figure out a way to bring him back and help him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he helps Nightwing deal with some, uh, you know joker henchmen who are sort of like just out for themselves yeah and it's the same thing that always comes up when batman's like gone for some reason is that all the low lives like 
they hear a rumor and they think, oh, now's our chance. Now's our time to like do something. Yeah. So the, the 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 Robins deal with it, and it's basically just this idea that uh, Dex like, look, obviously we're all sad that Batman's gone, but I kind of trust that Batman will find his way back because he always does. Uh, yeah, we, he's done this before. Is the whole thing. So I like that Dick is like, there's there's a way, and I just like that he has you know like a faith in Bruce. Yeah. So, but Tim's thing is that no, he's been acting different recently. He's been struggling. Mm-hmm. I think he needs my help, so I'm going to try and help him. Uh, and it teases that the toy man uh, who's committed suicide built the gun that sent him yeah. to the other Earth or wherever he went. And again, the fact that it's Toy Man it maybe further fuels the fire that it's not a real other Earth and it's more right. just like a creation because he creates things. Admittedly, right. he he hasn't in the past created like you know worlds that all feel worlds. real, but right. it would fit the idea that these are all toys in a toy box or something, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, because at the uh, opening, there's a tease of Toy Man where he says, you know, he breathes. There's no Superman, no Arkham, no doctors trying to make names with their ludicrous diagnoses. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and all of this, and you know, which suggests um, that Superman also doesn't exist in right this world, right? You know, the toys for everything, and he's their god. And then we don't get really back to any of that. We, get, you know, the John and and Tim interacting, um, and then we get back towards the end where it we have like a like is that is that John there where it says next toy soldiers with. Like, is that a mannequin? Like, what is that? <laughs> like, uh, it's weird, but that's the next toy man, because it looks like he's in the fortress, you know? The toy man killed himself, but he... Yeah, yeah, that, this is John. So, like, I assume this is, like, one of toy man's, uh, like, toys. Replicas, yeah. Yeah, I, if I was to guess, based on that panel alone and the dialogue, maybe he's left some clues. Yeah is that maybe this is going to be like, a, they're going to talk to one of his toys who yeah. can maybe give them some information because like he'll, he'll know some basic facts or something. I, I, mean, yeah. I guess. But that's the only thing that gets us back to Toy Man from from there. There's no like thread going through. But it is really about Tim. And I do like that. I like that we're getting the focus. And Tim almost has a Bruce-like obsession with getting Bruce back. I, I do think uh, Zarsky writing the backup right now and it being set in the real world or the real Gotham, well, the main stories in this mm-hmm. alternate Gotham, is a smart move because it means you still get to keep tabs on what's going on and it still feels like it's part right. connected to the real world. Because uh, one of the problems with these, oh, you send a character off to another Earth for like an arc is it, it can just feel a little bit like, this could be skippable. <laughs> like right. you may be able to just come back after this and it would be like, you never right. missed anything. Uh, so that's what makes it tethered a little bit, which I think is smart. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, All right, Matt, what are you giving... Uh, Batman one thirty one. Um, um, so I'll give I'll give the 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 main story a seven, the backup a seven point five. So I'll round down and give the whole issue a seven. Yeah, I'll just read the whole issue. I I'll give it a seven as well. I do think it's good. I think it's well written. I think the art's solid mm-hmm. enough, and I like the kind of the point that it, it seems to be trying to make uh, in this story. By by the time I got to the end, but I do have some misgivings about. Doing an alternate Earth, doing an alternate Gotham, like I feel like we do, we do this a lot, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I just I can't, I can't help get that out of my head a little bit. So, uh, I will, I'll, but I'll give it a seven because it's not bad by any means. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. All right, Gotham City Year One Issue Four, Tom King writing with Phil Hester on the art. Uh, so obviously we had the the shocking discovery of the baby, 
mm-hmm. the dead baby of that uh, last issue. Uh, and this one starts off with Slam once again in the police station being beat to shit. Yeah. This, this, this issue is, is Slam gets beaten up. Yes, that, there's a lot of that. Yeah, hooey. Yeah, uh, so this time the commissioner himself comes down and beats the crap out of him, which is mm-hmm. uh, seen as an honor. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, and and he hints that that you know this is what happens to people in in the police right station. You know, if it's if it's you know a, if it's a homicide, usually the detective will come and try to beat out of people. It's very rare for the commissioner to come down, um, but it even slams like he understands why because. From the police perspective, he messed up their investigation, you know. So of course the commissioner has to come and try to clean up the mess that that Slam made. Um, so I did like, you know, seeing how reasonable, you know, he takes his lumps and he doesn't really fight back. He just wants to, you know, do what he needs to do to to have it end. Um, oh well, he, he explains kind of why he doesn't bother fighting back later, yeah. which is uh, there's no point because if he if, if right. he takes out a couple of cops, there'll just be twenty more to beat the shit out of him. He'll never right. he'll never succeed. But it's worth mentioning that the reason why they're beating him up is because he obviously contacted the police when he finds the dead baby mm-hmm. in the last issue, and that they now know that he was working for the Waynes and right. that he was, you know, they, they kind of know the truth of everything he was hiding when they were yep. interrogating him last time, and now they blame him for having the, the baby. You know, it's his fault that right. the baby turned up dead. If he'd come to them, if he'd actually played by their rules, uh, everything would have turned out okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I suspect it may not have, but that's what they think. Yeah, I mean. We're still not even certain that's the actual baby, right? We're just being told that it was. Um, especially by the end of the issue, I kind of feel like there's there's a lot more at play going on here. Yeah. Um, um, so Slam gets bailed out by Richard Wayne, mm-hmm. uh, who then wants to see him. And he's being all casual and just asking to clear up details at first until he then blames Slam. Uh, he reveals that he blames Slam because of him going off to investigate without him knowing. Now, we know that his wife, the, the, the Miss, Mrs. Wayne, hired him to go looking after yep. the fact. But to Slam's credit, he doesn't fess up. Even, nope. when, even, when, even when Richard Wayne smashes a, you know, a glass in his face and starts beating the shit it's, out of him. It's until that, that you know, Slam is, is trying to reason with them and uh, Richard Wayne smacks him. Then, then sounds like all right. I'm done being smacked around today, dude. Yeah. Uh, well, this is this is where he's, he he explains in his narration why he didn't bother fighting back in the police station. Yeah. But there's only like three guys here. He he can take three guys. <laughs> I, I can't take fifteen, but three three's not a problem. Yeah. I I love that. I love that piece of narration there. And you just see him him take him out, and he explains, you know, this guy used to be a boxer. He can tell by the cauliflower ear and the way that he stands. And that uh, he hits him with an uppercut and, you know, his, his teeth go flying because boxers wear a mouthpiece when they train and they get so reliant on it. And, you know, Slam knows that about him. So, you know, he's able to use his weight against him. And then he he gets the gun from the other guy and then mentions that, he, you know, his kill count in Korea was 137. And well, it's, it's I mean, a, you have to add some context for that last part well, because there's a standoff where... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the guy he knows here that brought him in initially uh, is got him at gunpoint and, you know, Richard Wayne's hiding behind him. And at this point, Sam is just like, you know, I'm going to walk out of here. And he's like, wait, we're just going to let you go. He's like, yeah, because my kill count's 137. 
uh, you know, when I was in Korea. And, As a sniper. Yeah. And, and he's got a gun trained on Richard Wayne. And the guy, the guy, you know, the guy he knows, uh-huh. you know, the, the head of security or whoever, he just lets him go. Uh-huh. And Richard's like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, I'm saving your life. Yeah. Because he, he's like, I'm doing what you pay me for, sir. And that's saving your life. Yeah. So yeah. he, he knows that Slam, like, even if he takes Slam out instantly after, because obviously he's got a gun on him, uh, right. like, he will not save Richard Wayne if, if they right. continue this. So, uh, uh, such a well tensely, you know, like a, it was a well done tense scene. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like Slam's becoming a bit unhinged because now it's like, well, mm-hmm. now I've got no reason to, like, play nice. Now I've got no reason to right. put up with this shit. Uh, but then he's back at his place, nursing his mm-hmm. wounds, and that's when Mrs. Wayne shows up and smooches him because she just wants yep. to feel something. Um, yep. and That's film noir to a T, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The way it's shot. Yeah. And, or it's shot uh-huh. You know what I mean? The way it's drawn. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> well, so so we, get, we get there where she comes in, right? And they're talking. And, 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 she, and, she, and she's wet from the rain. Let's not forget yes. these little touches that are yep. very, you know, noir. <laughs> right. But I just want to say, the, the art here with, with Hester is we, we get the page of them meeting and then you turn the page when when they kiss, it's those two kissing in the foreground, but the background is the page from before. Yeah. And so it's just a, it's a I like that touch that really emphasizes this is a big deal. Um, and you know there's other ways to do it like with a blank background or you know other things, but I felt like them him doing that art from the page before. Yeah, I don't know really, enough about. Uh the confirmed continuity or canon yep. of like Bruce's grandparents. But yep. I'm getting a sneaking suspicion that not both of these are actually his grandparents and that one yep. of them remarries and yep. you know, he comes from the, the new marriage, but uh, not that I'm suggesting slams his actual grandfather. I'm not saying yeah, that. Yeah. I, but... <laughs> I hope that's not where they're going because I don't think so. there, there is a piece of dialogue where he says that he's 94, you know, and, and you know, he's been doing this long enough and just, just the vibe there. I hope it's a red herring. Then, then again, yeah, I mean, then again, you know? though, why would he be, uh, that would be a reason why he would want to tell Bruce this story Bruce before he dies? Came. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so. So. Um, yeah, there was just there was just a vibe <laughs> I got from that where I was like, oh, please don't do this. It's to me, it's kind of lazy. Not that I don't think because I think Kent King could stick the li- landing because it doesn't really change who Bruce is. Let's say this is true. It just it adds to him like genetically this need to do the right thing because it, it definitely feels like the Waynes are, are not so good people, at least, at least Richard, yeah. you know, and that, and that I forget the grandmother's name or the supposed grandmother, um, that, that why, she came. Why, why do you think I've been seeing Mrs. Wayne? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Have, they haven't given us the name, have they? It, it has been Mrs. Wayne. Uh, you're making me question that. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't I can't know. remember. But so Mrs. Wayne, it feels like she comes from a different background and that uh, yeah, she seems like a very flawed person, but she's not like the same, like kind of corrupt that, that Richard Wayne is. So, um, yeah. And again, I'm seeing owls on, on, on stuff. So I'm definitely feeling like, yeah, maybe, maybe this isn't the same Wayne, you know, like it, it is a different marriage. Because we don't know about their grandparents. Yeah. You know? Um. So. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of like ba- uh, bonding as he's leaving to go off and do something at one in the morning. But he's uh talking about how he had a half brother who died before he uh mm-hmm. before he you know came back and stuff. Uh, but he kisses her and leaves, 
And it turns mm-hmm. out what he's doing is he's actually going to go beat the shit out of the commissioner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, in a case of revenge. What's interesting about it uh, is that he does kind of admit that while obviously there's a lot of uh, dodgy tactics with this police mm-hmm. force, that the commissioner himself is not actually corrupt. He says that there's not an ounce of corruption in him. No. Uh, outside of p- perhaps Be- beating, beating yeah. up. Because <laughs> it's it's the ends justify the means, right? Is that yeah. they're they're upholding law and order, and yeah, they might not be doing it exactly by the book, but they're not on the tape, right? At least as far as the commissioner is concerned, you know, they're not being paid to look the other way. They're just handling no. things well, I, extra legally. I, I would still argue which, that there's there's corruption in yeah. general with like who they serve, mm-hmm. with like who they discriminate right. against, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But by this account, it doesn't sound like the commissioner is on the take. But no. uh he beats him with a bat so bad that he has to retire, we find out in the narration. Yeah. And then there's and there's actually, you know what? Sometimes they can be a little too coy with the prequely things where they reference something that we are, yeah. you know, we we know from like main Batman lore or whatever. Um, I actually quite like this one, which is, admittedly, at the end of the scene when he says and they, they you know they gave this a name, they called it Crime Alley. That's a bit on the nose for me, but I actually really like this idea earlier in the scene when he, like, I think this is when the commissioner's walking down at first and he's about to like hit him with a bat. He has a line that's something like um in his narration that's like. This is like one of those dark places where like someone can just you know lose everything or so you know it, the way he phrased it it was like that can easily apply to like the Wayne's being murdered in an alley just like he's about to you know rule yeah it it to me it's that the it tied the birth of Gotham to Crime Alley like it was the birth of Batman as they both were born in the same place and so because he says Slam lets Bruce know that uh, after this commissioner had to retire that is where the Gotham police force as we know it really started to take hold yeah you know? yeah he says, so he says it was like gotham was was born anew he says crime got worse all that but no but even mm-hmm. regardless of that i just like i think even just when he mentioned that there was just a nice mm-hmm. little tangible thematic link mm-hmm. between you know what bruce lost in an alley and what can happen right. like, i just i don't know it just it felt like it was a nice little link that wasn't yeah. too on the nose um when he actually named the you know, mm-hmm. oh, they eventually gave it a name, Crime Alley. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, all right, it's a bit more on the nose now. But yeah. Whatever. Well, I- and also uh, the the way that he gets the commissioner is it's this is where the sex workers are, and they they go down different alleys, and the people that are the you know hmm. the guys that are visiting them take different routes, so you're not suspected, and that's how he gets the drop on the commissioner. So intimating that that's where the commissioner was going, right? Yeah. Or coming back from. And that's why he's able to get the drop on him. And then it, it's such a, a place that, like, it kind of gets brushed under the um, rug why the commissioner was there. Yeah. So they don't they, talk about they it. They don't want to admit know? that he was down there for a sex right. worker. Uh, and so it, it's all stuff that Slam has taken into account because he understands the city on a different level. Right? Yeah. And he so. even says, this is like the one part of the book where when he, in his narration, he actually sort of talks about more like he actually mentions bruce he says you you wouldn't have done like this you know you wouldn't no. have acted on this rage you would have made it more of a fair fight so on so on uh, you're honor bound and yeah. that's how we're different yeah yeah um i will say like, i get why it does this after because you know it's called gotham city year one so saying a bunch of street names mm-hmm. is kind of like fitting into the theme of like establishing that this is the city this is like us building the city yeah but at the same time 
like there's a whole page here where he's like saying i went through the street cut on the corner of that street went to the street and it's just name drop after name drop of like artists and writers of the past yeah yeah and it's just like oh my god this is like i'm just going to read some of it huh? i just want you like yeah go do it give you i want you to read this page i took rogers <laughs> to roses uh, I don't know how to say that one. Uh, and then cut over to Hamilton. I turned right on Moldov and then went left on Robbins and then merged onto Goodwin. Uh, even at this hour, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I exited at Novik, turned left on Adams, rode all the way in Newton and swung right into Gordano. I stayed right onto Ween, taken onto Toth, and then hanging left onto Staten, which dumped me off right onto Wolfman. Like, that is an absurd amount of names, to the point where I don't actually recognize all of them. I'm sure they're all prominent creators in Batman's past. Mm-hmm. I recognize, like, two-thirds of them. Yeah. Well, there's there's Adams and Giordano and Ween, and a lot of the other ones feel very familiar as well. But it's just a lot. Like, you, you could have given a, you know... Oh, I recognize... I recognize... The street. Yeah, Rogers you know. is an artist. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I recognize Rogers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I, I don't know. I, I wish that King had mixed in like a Main Street or a South Street in uh, there with them, so it didn't just feel like he was listing Batman creators. Yeah, it's, it did feel like a list, which is which is kind of yeah. why it stuck out to me. Yeah. Uh, but when he gets home, uh, Sue, the the woman who hired him for the job mm-hmm. in the first place, is there with a gun, and we get this confrontation uh, where you know she's like, I had nothing to do with the death of that kid. I didn't know that's what was at my uncle's place that you mm-hmm. found. Uh, and if I had nothing to do with it, I would have left already. Uh, but he takes a gun from her. Because yeah. Yeah, he grabs it out. A good bit of art here where the, the, the art colouring completely changes for that one panel yep. where he snaps it over hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, what have you done? He's got her a gunpoint, and yeah. she's she has no reason to, well, I'll to save her life, I suppose, but she's got no reason right. to not just spill her guts out to him. Um... And she says, you know, uh, you think I get any interest in any of this? I like the shiny things. Death is not my bag. This is all him. He's crazy like mm-hmm. a bat. Um, and then he said, she says, F Richard Wayne, it's all his fault. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the cliffhanger we leave on. Now, I, like... <sighs> trying to piece together like how he's like behind this obviously i don't think he wanted his child to be kidnapped or killed and uh, maybe the kidnapping was a staged thing uh-huh. to begin with because it was it was him trying to because they mentioned in the book that so yeah i was gonna get to yeah, that so that, yeah on you go you can easily split it i was like so basically he what he's using now is because of the death of his daughter he's using this as something that the city can rally behind in the you know, uh, as he opens a new factory, the south side of Gotham. Yeah, because the community's been against yep. the the building of his factory of here. And, and now, because he's poured the ashes of his dead baby daughter into right. the concrete, it's like, no one can argue this now. This nope. is like an act of heroism from this, this yep. you know, kind man. Yeah, and it's like, well, <laughs> no, that, that that's something that a maniac does. So, which fits Gotham to a T, oh, right? Yeah. So I would suspect that whatever he was doing before that led mm-hmm. to all this was yeah. like him doing shady stuff to try and either gain favor or at least, or at least manipulate the right people behind the scenes to make sure his plant, but plans could all go yeah. to plan, right? Yeah. Um, and also, so now this 
has me thinking. She says he's crazy like a bat, which nobody says that. And I get, I get why, you know, mm. thematically they're trying to draw that. But um, we're talking about we don't know if these are actually Bruce's grandparents, right? Like, what if this is, like, family-wise, his great-uncle, and whatever happens here leads to Bruce's grandpa actually taking over the family, right? And that's where Bruce comes I'd from. have to go back and read issue one, because mm-hmm. I don't remember if they specifically say it's his grandfather. Like, right. Or if they, you know. they may specifically say it's Thomas Wayne's father or something like that. I, I can't remember. Right. I'd have to go back okay. and read issue one and look at the exact okay. wording of things, because I don't remember. Right. Because I don't, because it feels like, it just feels like, a you know, him, this is a Lex Luthor kind of plan, you know, and that mm. doesn't seem to gel with, you know, like, we know Thomas becomes a doctor and maybe, and maybe his dad is that much of a terrible person, right? That that's what made him slip from the family business to want to help people versus being a titan of industry type. Ah, uh, maybe, yeah. You know, but I don't know. It just, it just feels like there's maybe some kind of twist coming up and i i do hope uh them throwing in the word bat there like i hope there's yeah. like some good like, reason for this yeah. by the end where i'm like okay that wasn't just a forced yeah. thing yeah because no one says crazy like a bat i've never heard that ever you know yeah um, that, that was so. that was weird I, like unless maybe we do something by the end of this that slams kind of old and he's slipping in this bat stuff like accidentally like it's him that's doing this he's unreliable yeah. yeah he's he's an old man on his deathbed just trying to tell a yarn you know and this is how he remembers it you know um yeah, yeah. so i don't know but no it's still man it's still really good film noir well i shouldn't say noir yeah. film noir but it's very yeah. good noir it wouldn't uh, it would surprise me if there's a moment at the end where batman asks about the bat symbol that he said he saw he's like but did i say a bat i meant owl <laughs> And now, yeah. and now puts the whole book back in a different perspective now, you know. But yeah, I just I keep seeing owls on everything, and I feel like there's going to be ties to to that to the court, and you know them at play here. Well, because... we we know they've been there throughout Gotham's past. Right? Like that that would not be a weird thing to pop up, right? And and why wouldn't they have interest in the Waynes, right? As one of the founding members of Gotham, that that we know. You know, because in every in every different version we do of the Gotham history, they're one of the four families of Gotham that's been there from the beginning. So yeah. and, and, of course you know, they have something with the with the owls. And Richard Wayne being behind this that led to his daughter's death, like that would maybe explain just. I mean, he'd be angry anyway, but how extra right. angry is that right. he feels guilt that, that he he right. is some ways behind this. Uh, that right. could be that could be something. Maybe this Sue yeah. was like someone he was seeing because you know, thematically this book set yeah. up the idea of the rich men going down to the south side to right. uh, to uh, get sex workers. Maybe that's what right. Sue is. I don't know. Right, right. Well, I mean, and the fact that we saw in the last issue, Slam had tracked her down, you know, through through the jazz clubs and all that type of stuff. Like she wouldn't be an easy woman to not get a hold of for for someone like Richard Wayne, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. Yeah, uh, maybe part of the story is just going to be that the, you know, Sam Slam was just meant to be a, a patsy who who yeah. would fail at doing whatever they hired him to do, and that's mm-hmm. why they picked him for this like right. sort of job. Uh, but the but the, you know the, the unfortunate reality for Wayne is that um he ends up being quite good at the job and actually right. gets to the bottom of things. Right, because so, he does care. He's not like the other people in Gotham that can look the other way. Yeah, is that he he can't. That's part of one of his flaws. So. Like that, and I definitely feel a Chinatown kind of vibe because 
It is not kind of the vibe of Chinatown. It's been a while since I've seen it, but they hired, you know, Jake, you know, almost like as a as a uh, decoy from whatever else that's going on. He's supposed to be looking into something else while there's other things going on. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to get those vibes here, especially at the end here when she brings up that she's familiar with with Richard. Yeah. So. What are you writing up? Um, I'm giving this an 8.5. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. 8.5. Yeah. I have nothing to add. Good issue. Mm-hmm. Poison Ivy, issue 8. G. Willow Wilson writing with uh, Atagun Ilhan on the art. Yep. I'm probably butchering that name. I apologize. Uh, all right, you read this, Matt. Take it away. Yeah, so change in art, which I was first thing I'm say, it's not Takara, and it's a little bit sometimes closer to Rosmo. So that was a big, a big disappointment and otherwise really fun uh, book because we're finding out that earlier, I want to say it was at the at the end of December, so you know last week at this point. But um, Wilson had said that this book was supposed to only be a one shot, and then that one shot became a mini series, then that mini series became a maxi series, and then that became something else. Mm. So this is starting to feel like a piece of of a bigger story that's going on with Ivy. Um, and this feels like a, you know, not that it's, it causes the story to halt, but this picks up on threads that I feel like Wilson wasn't going to get to, you know, that had started in that one shot. So in that one shot, and I had to go back and check this is that when Ivy's doing the stuff in Gotham, there's a lady that works in HR that she takes mercy on and, and let's go. So, um, as, as she gets, you know, turned into the green, cause at the end of the last issue, um, the the one lady she's there investigating uh, that was a disciple, not a disciple, but learned also from Woodrow, like Pam had, um, that she taps into the green and turns out this lady from HR happens to be working for this company now. And through the green and through these different aspects is able to talk the lady from HR to reminding who she was, that she, you know, kind of owes her one now. And, you know, and... Uh, is able to get her assistance and um, I gotta find the name of, of the one because I just don't want to call her the bad guy but the the one lady that, that she's there investigating um, uh, let me find this uh, comes across her helping Pam and uh, they get into a, a, into a slight fight um, but uh we find out that she did come to work, but she's been really mistreated by her and that she's there basically working for insurance because she found out that she has a growth on her liver and that she needs this job. But the fact that, you know, she doesn't agree with a lot of what the company is doing and how this woman has treated her, um, that she's going to help out Pam anyways, even if it's, you know, at a detriment to her because it's the right thing to do. Um, and um her boss tells her you know you you know you think that you're gonna help this monster and she's like well but between the two i'd rather take my chances with this monster than you um and she frees pam um with you know this there's a counter agent that gets all of the you know the the green that was covering her the lamia spores and whatever it it breaks those off to where pam's able to go chase uh her name's crawley 
to, to chase Carly down through her big elaborate mansion. Um, and she chased her into the cornfield, which is, you know, that's the thing that she was altering with this chemical. And, you know, Pam just runs her down for saying, you know, you're, you're poisoning the people of the town, but you think that you're helping them. And that's all you, you seem to care about. And it's really Wilson commenting on how these big agricultural companies come into smaller communities and make it seem like they're doing them a favor when they're really making things worse. Um, and that, you know, Pam's just a, a, a you know, she's going to upset the, the stuff that Woodrow wanted and that Pam was just like her at one point and that, you know, I can't believe how you would do this. We're trying to recreate the world for the better. Um, but as, as she's talking to Pam, you know, she says, you know, she tells Pam, you think that you're, you're better than everybody, but you're just, you just want to be the queen of the ashes. Like you want to burn everything down. You think you're better than us. You you're one of us and you know, you're a bigger problem than I am. Um, and that's where Pam decides like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to take this lady out. It's for the greater good. But then she remembers that she had promised the HR lady that she wasn't going to kill her. So she transforms Crawley into this Lovecraftian nightmare of a plant creature that's just sitting in the cornfield now. And she's like, well, she's not dead, you know? So it, it's this meeting and Pam comes back and she's back in her human guys and in, in her coveralls. And the lady starts crying. She's like, yeah, well, I have nothing left now. Like I've just jeopardized my job. I have no boss. Like the business is going to fall apart. You know, this is a nightmare. And now thanks to all this, I don't have insurance. Um, so, so Pam reminds her that, you know, she went to medical school before she was into to the plant stuff. That's what led her to Woodrow. And that she knows a lot of people up in the Pacific Northwest and that let her call in some favors because they owe her some stuff. So she takes uh, the HR lady to Seattle and gets her the surgery that she needs. Um, and it, it ends with uh, the lady waking up out of surgery and, you know, she goes, Oh, I didn't expect you to be there as Pam sitting next to her bed. She brings her, you know, she brings her a cactus as, you know, as a, you know, symbol of, of what they had gone through um, and asks how she's feeling. Um, and then, you know, she asked Pam, she's going to say, she goes, I don't know, but, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm going to stay here with you. And the HR goes, even if I stay, even if I fall asleep, she goes, I'll stay with you as long as you need me to. Um, so just knowing what we know from, from what Wilson is doing with the character. It seems like the one shot they were supposed to get of her writing Ivy that introduced this HR lady. I think that was just to show that Ivy is not the same, you know, straight out and out villain that she was, that she can't take mercy, but for her to take that thread into this book now that is, you know, has been expanded upon um, to, to do this story that really shows that Ivy is an anti-hero along the lines of of uh, of Harley at this point and the growth just even over six seven issues that we've had it's a really really cool like not not that it's a task but it's Wilson having a plan and being able to execute on that plan for the better 
because uh, this is a book that, despite you know, I don't know how many people are reading it. The people that are seem to be really, really enjoying it and seeing its praises. So, um, as an Ivy fan, that makes me very excited. And the the fact that you know we kind of know that she's an antihero, but we're feeling that journey as it unfolds. Is that she had started this book as I'm going to destroy the world with with you know mushroom spores that turn people into zombies. Um, to now, like, well, no, I need to save the world from the worst of it, you know, even if that means at my own detriment. Uh, it's it's a it's a real fun story. Just wish the art in this issue was was better. So I'm sure Takara will be back because that was really always a bright spot. But but yeah, no, thoroughly enjoy this book. Uh, I'm gonna give this one a 7.5, and that's mainly a hit from the art, just because the art style wasn't much to my liking. Okay. Uh, Dark Knights of Steel, issue 9. Tom Taylor writing, Yasmin Putri on the art. Mm-hmm. So, I don't remember when the last issue of this was. It feels like God. each issue's been... It's been a minute. I feel like ever since issue 6, each issue after that's been really spread out. Like, mm-hmm. to the point where I forget it exists, and then it comes back, and then right. I have to readjust and try and remember what the hell was happening yep. <laughs> in the last issue. Uh, so, but the war just sort of broke out, right? Because we had the mm-hmm. big... Uh, it, it looked like... Um, Queen Apollota had just been murdered mm-hmm. by uh, Lara. Lara, yep. Yeah. I was gonna say, and it's not it's not Kara. Kara's not here, but yeah. yeah. I was trying to remember by, just uh, Cal's yeah. mother's first name. Cal's mom. I was just yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so there's a big things going here. Um, by the end of this issue, we kind of finally get an answer because we we, we kind of suspected there was some kind of shapeshifter yeah. uh, with the with the Zala murder of uh the 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 prince the prince yeah well there's that and then the fact that cal had attacked bruce that's right so we had multiple examples of like someone's not really acting in character this feels like there's another thing yeah Uh, and and we thought for a while the green man was going to turn it to maybe be martian manhunter because maybe he's the Mm -hmm. one shape-shifting um not quite but we weren't far off with thinking about martians because uh the end of this issue uh, basically, it turns out Alfred starts saying, "No, no, no, no. This, uh, uh, you know, uh, Lara that we're seeing here, because we see that there's two Laras. Everyone distinctly sees after a lot of fighting's been going on that there's two Laras, and one punches the other and says, "Who the hell are you?" And that's when Alfred comes running in, use fire, and I'm like, "Shit, it's yep. a Martian!" And sure yep. enough, it's a white Martian, not a green Martian, a white Martian. Mm-hmm. And the ending reveal is that this isn't really Alfred. This is actually John Jones pretending to be Alfred. And he's like, I didn't realize that the last survivor uh, was here. Already here. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, big thing. And obviously you've got a Green Lantern Joker up in the sky uh, yeah. who, who basically enjoys killing people during the fight, but decides to bolt at the end when he realizes, shit, yeah. they're, they're, they're on to what's going on this here. This is beyond me. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm getting out of here. So, okay, big revelation. That was a fun time. It's kind of like, you know, one of the main things that's been fun about this book is the weird mm-hmm. twists it's taken of like, oh, this is who's really like here and who's really the villain and who's really, you know, mm-hmm. like how, how do these characters fit into this version of the world, right? That was fun. That felt like a very deceased reveal to me as well. This feels like something yeah. that could have been deceased. Um, so... Yeah, and some of the characters are kind of piecing together. Even Constantine's admitting that mm-hmm. it feels that we're being conned here somehow. Something's not quite right. It was, yeah, because he's talking about his prophecy, but, you know, prophecies don't always hit 100%. Yeah. And so, yeah, so now he's starting to realize that maybe he's been played 
Um, and so it's like now it's one of these things. It's like, well, who who else who else has the White Martians played? Like, have they, you know, are they the reason? Like, did they play Waller? And is that why Waller's mm-hmm. been okay with locking everybody up? And the question you know? I'd have is, okay, but why are the White Martians or this at least mm-hmm. this one White Martian? I don't know if it's just right. the one or multiple, but right. uh, why do this? Like, what do they care? Mm-hmm. What's right. the end goal here exactly? Other than just to like make everyone destroy themselves, is it just right. to take over Earth? Is it that simple? Mm-hmm. Just have all these powerful factions well, destroy each other, and then we can waltz in and take control? Yeah, well, because because that's what it is, right? It, it's you know, chaos is a ladder, and these these sides were already at a tenuous, you know, the Kingdom of Storms and then the the House of L were already on this precipice because of of what Bruce was doing with all the powered people, mm. you know. And it built distrust. So all it needed was a little push. And this little push from the White Martians sent You're, everybody uh, to war. Quoting Joker from Dark Knight there? Just a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and this is this is what happens. And so just the fact, too, that we get the, you know, the House of El isn't this power-hungry, you know, like oh. like we might have thought. You know, it, they've you know been being played against each other using their, their images. Also, I should actually say here, uh, just to, uh, it's probably John Jones, but we don't mm-hmm. actually know that it is him at the end. We just know it's, it's a Green Martian, yeah. right? right? So, so technically, this could be another Green Martian, right? Just, just, just for full, just uh, it's probably just John Jones, though. <laughs> right? I mean, however, we don't know too many other. Um, no, but Martians. I'm thinking that maybe in yeah. this, like you know, Earth, it's a different Martian survived. You know, it wasn't. True. Not just. I, I, I honestly think it will be. I'm just putting that out right. there that technically this could turn out to be, gotcha. you know, uh, I, I don't know, Jack Jammies or something. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it was a, such a good reveal, and just with, with all of the stuff that's going on, because this just whipped through all of these different pieces of the war going on, and then when we get to Lara going to the dungeons. And you have Canary and Arrow in there, and and Ollie is is you know show show me what you can do, show me can how you sing, so they can get out. I thought that was such a good scene. And then where she, he's like, "How are you gonna fire a bow? You're missing an arm." Or how am I gonna fire a bow? She goes, "Use a crossbow." And he goes, "That's perfect." The way there's Martians, a lot of fun little moments like that. The way Martians have heat vision. I think they have all of the same abilities as as the martians and i don't think the martians do have heat vision so that that's real lara who's heat visioning killer shark it it must be let me look let me let me look up the white martians first because 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 miss martian who spoiler alert if you guys don't know this is is a white martian but she wants to be good right yeah yeah so she masquerades as, as a green martian is jean's niece um I believe they have all the same abilities. They're just their culture was was more conquering. Well, so. the, the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up is because I assumed that it was the evil Lara who killed right. Killer Shark, especially since she says before she does it, "I am simply here to remove threats to my people," and then like you know burns them with her with her eyes. Yeah. But uh, but now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wait, can a white Martian do that? Right. <laughs> right. No, you're can. right. Um, so I'm I'm checking here. But I, maybe that's part of it. Maybe, maybe they did get Lara on their side, you know, as one of these things. Okay. You know, and that's what the threat to her people are, you know, because 
they've shown like they don't trust the elves enough to go to war. I don't know. I'm I'm just looking for. I'm rationalizing at this point. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe that'll be uh, cleared up as we go. And maybe that's just a victim of it. Right. There's so many delays between issues that I just don't remember details enough to like remember why she would do that if it is really just her. Uh, so it says that they do have heat vision. Oh, there you go. There you According go. to the wiki. Um, and the, and um, that in that case, yeah. it's just a white Martian. Then it's just it's just right. a white Martian removing powerful threats. Okay. Right. right. All right. That's fair enough. Right. Uh, right. So yeah, Oliver's only got one arm. Remember, so he's using a crossbow yep. now. So fun stuff, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that dynamic between them. You know, but I say this all the time when we when uh, Tom Taylor writes Canary and Arrow, is he really has their banter down. Oh, so, for sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's always a pleasure to read. Yeah, and Batman's there, he rode in on Dragon uh, during yep. the fight, because obviously we knew he, right. he was with the uh, the Kents uh, right. last time we saw him. Right, and and also when, when he goes after Cal, he goes, brother, you attacked me, and that's where, that's the first piece that we get, like, yeah, Cal's yeah, like, yeah. I did not, what are, what are you going on about? You know, so... Well, you would hope um, next issue is them realizing, mm-hmm. okay, Alfred slash Martian Manhunter is right. explaining that they're shapeshifters and that can make them look back at all these events in the book and go, wait a minute, yep. uh, all of a sudden this makes a lot more sense if there's this third party who's pretending to yep. be various people at various times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, It's a quick read. I mean, if I have a critique yeah. of it, it's that because most of it's just the big battle, is that it just goes by so quickly and there's not really that mm-hmm. much plot. Although, obviously, the ending's a big plot advancement, don't get me wrong, like it right. does something big by the end. But most of the issue is very much the fight on the on the battleground and the various yep. characters getting into it. Uh, so yeah, good ending though. I can't deny the ending. ending was a lot of fun. When we, I was not expecting the White Martians whatsoever, right? I'm thinking this is just a, you know, fantasy style story of of kingdoms at war, and that we're gonna find out that like, you know, these people at the top make the decisions, but it's the people like Kent, the Kents, you know, taking in the orphans and doing all that stuff. I mean, they're, I... They're, you know. I mean, I never said white Martians, but I, I was speculating a Martian. Yeah, quite well, early on because we brought up we brought up shapeshifters. Yeah, you know, and I think um, the reason why the white Martians worked so well as a twist here is because mm-hmm. it's not really that different from a green Martian or the, the mm-hmm. idea that Martian Manhunter may be evil on this earth. It's just right. that white Martians are the lesser used one, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily right. think of them first. So this feels like again, much like we've seen a lot in Deceased with Tom mm-hmm. Taylor, is he's he's spotlighting like a part of the DCU that he probably likes that doesn't get yeah. as much attention or love as yeah. normal. So well, just I, I you know just learning about when I was reading comics about the White Martians and the whole idea of they were the warlike ones and that there was a you know um, they they had gotten locked away by the Green Martians and then when the planet you know when when Mars died effectively mm-hmm. there was this you know lost group of them and. You know, they come to Earth and, and masquerade as the Hyper Clan. And just this whole, like, there's this whole piece of DC lore that I had not known, and it fits in very well, you know? It's, it's, kinda... why, it's why I, I don't like when they try and change, or versions of Krypton's, like, demise yeah. is, is a bit more like warring factions. I like that mm-hmm. Krypton feels more like, no, this was a climate change yeah. thing. And yeah, there's de- obviously debates on two sides about mm-hmm. it happening, as, as it would be. Oh. But... I think Mars yeah. being no, does it? This was a direct war with like one right. powerful side who were trying to enslave the other, and it you know right. it led to the demise. I like that those are very different versions mm-hmm. of the worlds 
ultimately <clears throat> you know i mean mars yeah. the planet's not gone it's still there right. but it's you know the, the civilization yeah, the culture, gone. yeah the martian culture is gone yeah right? like yeah but yeah no um so yeah so so the fact that, that this was you know that group and was not i was not suspecting them so we get that reveal and then we get you know that the alfred is, is a green martian um and you know, that was really cool because probably of course, probably jean right yeah. <laughs> but of course he got in and he's the caretaker to you know to the to the waynes or whatever he got himself into a position to where if need be there were defenses if the white martians did show uh, up. do you think we get a backstory next issue as to what happened to Probably. the real alfred like when, when it changed from being alfred mm-hmm. to being john right yeah probably we'll, we'll get what brought him here because you know traditionally it's a very sci-fi thing that you know the the radio you know uh transporter type thing he gets caught up in that and is brought to earth and gives the scientist a heart attack you know mm-hmm. uh, and then that's you know how he's able to blend in and stuff I'm sure we'll get a very fantasy style version of that. Um, maybe he's a castaway of some kind. I don't know, but yeah, it, it would make sense why he was when he was with the the Waynes. If this is him, why they were so accepting of the else, right? Because if 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 let's just call him John. If John's masquerading as Alfred, and is in the ears of the of the Waynes, you know, I could see that the you know him helping that along because they're aliens just and like him to be fair the people may also be suspicious of him because yep. they may not accept just you know because the idea is mm-hmm. since he's got a lot of influence where he is yeah. like, you know whispering yeah. in the people's ears that he does whisper in so right maybe they'll think he's also trying like you know just not do it by yeah. force but he's trying to manipulate right. things for his side mm-hmm. uh but i don't know we'll see um yeah. it's it's a nice it, it really freshened <clears throat> up the the story in a fun way and now you feel like they're they're gonna have to line up on the side because I'm sure there's gonna be more white Martians because he said the what he thought was the survivor right what was his words he says you when knew says, I was a survivor of a, de- a dead world right? but I yeah, yeah. never told you something else <laughs> gotcha yeah so but yeah no maybe maybe there's more white Martians. and this is gonna lead you know the this this Earth versus the white Martians you know in the final three issues so and I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah, this turned out to be a, a white Martian invasion, secret mm-hmm. invasion style story. is <laughs> is is an interesting yeah. direction. I, I like it. Yeah. Uh, all right, what are you giving this? Show? I mean, it's an eight. Yeah, I'm just going to go with a seven, just because it does feel like it's just most of the big battle, but the ending is very good, and I like the the reveal and the direction that's going in there. Uh, Green Lantern Joker's still a bit wacky for my taste, but we'll <laughs> you know we'll we'll see. It's a hat on a hat scenario. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That is it. I was going to do a Patreon book, but uh, I forgot what time we were recording, yeah. and uh, had to quickly rush two of the books I did read uh, yeah. before we start. So uh, I will catch up on Patreon books next week. But uh, that'll take us out the part of the show where we pick our favorites of the week for it: panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and uh, well, usually top five. But in this case, we'll just yeah. be ranking whatever we read because there wasn't enough <laughs> yeah, books. All four. Uh, so what was your panel slash moment of the week? Uh, it's gonna be the White Martian reveal in, uh, in that book. I'm drawing a blank on it. Um, the Tom Taylor book. Dark Knights of Steel. There we go. Dark Knights of Steel. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Not doing well with titles today, are you? Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I feel like there's probably something in Gotham City Year One that I would 
Uh, my my runner up, if it helps uh, jog your memory a little, the mm. in the God City year one, the the big kiss that happens with the background that that's pretty good. Um, also create you know the the final panel of showing Richard Wayne yeah. that's a pretty big moment. I'll <clears throat> no, I'll say the uh the gun standoff where mm-hmm. he lets him go. Uh, yeah. I just saved your life. I'll go. I'll go with that moment. I had a good dramatic beat to it. All right, cover of the week. Um, there's a nice art germ cover for Batman, but uh, I got to go just the regular Gotham City Year One cover. It's mm, pretty good. I'm, I'm checking the the variants on that because I already have an answer. I, I got it when I picked up my books. It's a Poison Ivy week. cover. Yeah, that? yeah. How, how would you know? I've even looked at it. I just, oh man, I just the Yannon variant. See the Yannon variant in Gotham City. I did see it. It's, it's not bad. It's pretty good. But yeah, no, it's it's the Jenny Frisian Ivy cover. Um, I'm shocked. Very fantastic. Yes. Shocked. Um, all right. Art of the week. Um, I'm going to go with Gotham City year one. I thought Hester's doing a lot of good work on this one, especially this issue with what he was doing with a lot of the shadows. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with Hester. I do think Putri's obviously solid in Darius' mm-hmm. deal, but I think Hester's yep. just a bit more standout. Uh, yep. And the, the style's very consistent and all that. Uh, all right, rank your books. All right, so number one's going to be Gotham City Year One. Two is going to be Dark Knights of Steel. Three is going to be Poison Ivy. Four is going to be Batman. Yeah, my number one is Gotham City Year One, and then I'm kind of conflicted over my other two because <laughs> I, I no, nah, I guess I'm not. It's probably Dark Knights of Steel at number two, and then Batman at number three. Uh, well, I, I gave them both seven, so they're not like a male million males apart. Uh, so. All right, there you go. I'll tell you what's coming mm-hmm. next week. Although, remember that next up is the annual episode we pick yes. favorites. And remember to go vote on the audience choice part of it. Link in the description and also on Discord and on Twitter. Uh, but coming next week from DC Comics for the next regular episode, uh, we have The Flash 790, Wonder Woman 795, The Human Target issue 10. Batman Urban Legends issue 23, Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo issue 3, I Am Batman 27, Lazarus Planet Alpha issue 1, so we're kicking off that kind of mini mm-hmm. event thing. Yeah. Uh, Danger Street issue 2, we have two Tom King books next week, mm-hmm. Jesus. Alright, next week's a big week all of a sudden. Uh, Batman Incorporated issue 4, Wildcats issue 3, Batman The Adventure Continues season 3 issue 1, the Batman Scooby-Doo mysteries issue four and Looney Tunes issue 270 uh so yeah uh, there's not like a huge number of books but danger no. street and human target in the same week's uh a meaty bit of discussion uh Ooh. i only actually have four books though if i actually count them yeah i uh, flash human target uh lazarus planet danger street and wildcats so. yeah oh five yeah wildcats yeah. sorry five but so. um yeah and uh we got nort in in human target on the cover um Excited to see how King does does that Green Lantern because mm-hmm. North's a, North's always a silly one, so let's see how he fits in with this version. Oh goodness, uh, those variants also. I suspect easily, just given the book so far. But yeah, uh, yeah. So that's what's coming next week, and uh, I said this would be a short episode, and it kind of is because we're only just hitting ninety minutes. Yeah. But that's actually still meatier than I thought it would be, given that it was only four books. But. Uh, Hopefully, you enjoyed the show. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. And of course, you can support us at patreon.com slash TV. 
uh, and maybe get early access to to our episodes oh, when it's done on a Saturday, although this one's a day later than normal. Uh, so it'll be late Sunday for patrons and then Monday for everyone else. Uh, but uh, look forward to to that. Um, I don't know why I'm saying look forward to that. That's this episode. Yeah. You're already hearing it when I'm... Well, that's a stupid statement. Look forward to the annual episode. Uh, and of course, you can support us for free by you know, liking, subscribing, ding the bell on YouTube or... Uh, rating is on your podcast app itunes most common one uh gives five stars all that mm-hmm. stuff helps us out a bunch uh and make sure you go vote uh as quickly as possible in the mm-hmm. dc awards which we will reveal the winners of along with our own discussions and picks in the annual episode coming before the next regular one so thank you very much for joining us we always appreciate it keep reading dc comics oh and i'll thank the patreon producers almost forgot to do that uh thank you very much to tally hess the Palacios, david sharp board Lucas for moy david brown and al tradesman for being producers you're all welcome thank you very much we'll see you next time keep reading dc comics and never get lost in the speed force